Section 20 of Dedications. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Dedications by Mary Elizabeth Brown. To Friends, Part 1. Commentary on Isaiah by Henrik Bullinger. Zurich, 1567. To Mr. Wolfgang Haller, fellow priest and brother, also faithful steward for the students, Heinrich Bullinger gave this book. Bullinger was for over 40 years a Protestant leader in German Switzerland. In 1555, Haller had been made economus or prepositus of the Gross Munster Foundation at Zurich. The knowledge of the heavens and the earth made easy, or The First Principles of Astronomy and Geography by Isaac Watts, 1725. To my learned friend, Mr. John Eames, Fellow of the Royal Society. Dear Sir, it would be mere trifling to say anything to you of the excellency and great advantage of these sciences, whose first rudiments I have here drawn up. Your acquaintance with these matters have given you a just relish of the pleasure of them and well informed you of their solid use. But, as Watts goes on, the unlearned need to be apprised of the necessity and use of this sort of learning, and no one is more qualified to give this information than his friend. The long dedication concludes... Farewell, dear sir, and forgive the trouble that you have partly devolved on your own self by the too favourable opinion you have conceived both of these sheets and of the writer of them, who takes a pleasure to tell the world that he is with great sincerity, sir, your most obedient servant, Isaac Watts. Theobalds in Hertfordshire, June the 11th, 1725. Or a Review of Schools by William Cowper, 1784 To the Reverend William Cawthorne Unwin, Rector of Stock in Essex, the tutor of his two sons, the following poem, recommending private tuition in preference to an education at school, is inscribed by his affectionate friend, William Cowper. The Works of Charles Lamb, 1818, Rosamond Gray, Essays, Letters, etc. To Martin Charles Burney, Esquire. Forgive me, Burney, if to thee these late and hasty products of a critic pen, thyself no common judge of books and men, in feeling of thy worth I dedicate. My verse was offered to an older friend. The humbler prose has fallen to thy share. Nor could I miss the occasion to declare what spoken in thy presence must offend, that set aside some few caprices wild, those humorous clouds that flit o'er brightest days in all my threadings of this worldly maze, and I have watched thee almost from a child, free from self-seeking, envy, low design, I have not found a whiter soul than thine. The poetry in this volume of Lamb's Collected Works was dedicated to Coleridge, the older friend. Southey, 
writing to Coleridge on June the 11th, 1804, describes Burney. The captain hath a son, begotten, according to Lamb, upon a mermaid, and thus far is certain that he is the queerest fish out of water. A paralytic affection in childhood has kept one side of his face stationary, while the other has continued to grow, and the two sides form the most ridiculous whole you can imagine. The boy, however, is a sharp lad, the inside not having suffered. Burney is a familiar figure in Lamb's biography. The Pilot by James Fenimore Cooper, 1823 To William Branford Shoebrick, Esquire, U.S. Navy My dear Shoebrick, Each year brings some new and melancholy chasm in what is now the brief list of my naval friends and former associates. War, disease, and the casualties of a hazardous profession have made fearful inroads in the limited number, while the places of the dead are supplied by names that to me are those of strangers. With the consequences of these sad changes before me, I cherish the recollection of those with whom I once lived in close familiarity, with peculiar interest, and feel a triumph in their growing reputations that is but little short of their own honest pride. But neither time nor separation has shaken our intimacy, and I know that in dedicating to you this volume, I tell you nothing new when I add that it is a tribute paid to an enduring friendship by your old messmate, the author. Vivian Gray by Lord Beaconsfield, 1826 To the best and greatest of men I dedicate these volumes. He for whom it is intended will accept and appreciate the compliment. Those for whom it is not intended will do the same. Eugénie Grandet by Honoré de Balzac, 1834 To Maria May your name, that of one whose portrait is the noblest ornament of this work, lie on its opening page like a branch of sacred box, taken from an unknown tree, but sanctified by religion, and kept ever fresh and green by pious hands to bless the house. Home Influence by Grace Aguilar, 1847 To Mrs. Herbert Townsend Bowen My dear friend, independent of the personal feelings which urged the dedication of this unpretending volume to you, I know few to whom a story illustrative of a mother's solemn responsibilities, intense anxiety to fulfil them, and deep sense of the influence of home could with more justice, be tendered. Simple as is the actual narrative, the sentiments it seeks to illustrate are so associated with you, have been so strengthened from the happy hours of unrestrained intercourse I have enjoyed with you, that though I ought, perhaps, to have waited until I could have offered a work of far superior merit to a mind like yours, I felt as if no story of mine could more completely belong to you. Will you then pardon the unintentional errors which I fear you, as an earnest Protestant, may discern, and accept this little work 
as a slight tribute of the warm affection and sincere esteem with which you have been so long regarded by your truly attached friend, Grace Aguilar. Philosophy of the Inductive Sciences by William Wewell, Master of Trinity College, Cambridge, 1847 To the Reverend Adam Sedgwick When I showed you the last sheet of my History of the Inductive Sciences in its transit through the press, you told me that I ought to add a paragraph or two at the end by way of moral to the story, and I replied that the moral would be as long as the story itself. The present work, the moral which you then desired, I have, with some effort, reduced within a somewhat smaller compass than I then spoke of, and I cannot dedicate it to any one with so much pleasure as to you. It has always been my wish that, as far and as long as men might know anything of me by my writing, they should hear of me along with the friends with whom I have lived, whom I have loved, and by whose conversation I have been animated to hope that I too might add something to the literature of our country. The dedication concludes with a reference to the college to which they both belong and in which we have lived together so long and so happily. The Seaside and the Fireside by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 1850 Dedication As one who, walking in the twilight gloom, hears round about him voices as it darkens, and seeing not the forms from which they come, pauses from time to time, and turns and hearkens, so walking here in twilight, O oh my friends, I hear your voices, softened by the distance, and pause and turn to listen, as each sends his words of friendship, comfort, and assistance. If any thought of mine, or sung or told, has ever given delight or consolation, ye have repaid me back a thousandfold by every friendly sign and salutation. Thanks for the sympathies that ye have shown. Thanks for each kindly word, each silent token, that teaches me, when seeming most alone, friends are around us, though no word be spoken. Kind messages that pass from land to land, kind letters that betray the heart's deep history, in which we feel the pressure of a hand, one touch of fire, and all the rest is mystery. The pleasant books that silently among our household treasures take familiar places and are to us as if a living tongue spake from the printed leaves or pictured faces. Perhaps on earth I never shall behold with eye of sense your outward form and semblance. Therefore to me ye never will grow old, but live forever young in my remembrance. Never grow old, nor change, nor pass away. Your gentle voices will flow on forever, when life grows bare and tarnished with decay, as through a leafless landscape flows a river. Not chance of birth or place has made us friends, being often times of different tongues and nations, but the endeavour for the self-same ends, with the same hopes and fears and aspirations. Therefore I hope to join your seaside walk, saddened, and mostly silent with emotion, 
not interrupting with intrusive talk the grand majestic symphonies of ocean therefore i hope as no unwelcome guest at your warm fireside when the lamps are lighted to have my place reserved among the rest nor stand as one unsought and uninvited pendennis by william makepeace thackeray eighteen fifty to dr john ellotson my dear doctor thirteen months ago when it seemed likely that this story had come to a close a kind friend brought you to my bedside whence in all probability i never should have risen but for your constant watchfulness and skill i like to recall your great goodness and kindness as well as acts of others showing quite a surprising friendship and sympathy at that time when kindness and friendship were most needed and welcome and as you would take no other fee but thanks let me record them here in behalf of me and mine and subscribe myself yours most sincerely and gratefully w m thackeray peg woofington by charles reed eighteen fifty two to t taylor esq my friend and coadjutor in the comedy of masks and faces to whom the reader owes much of the best matter in this tale and to the memory of margaret woofington falsely summed up until to-day this dramatic story is inscribed by charles reed bleak house by charles dickens eighteen fifty three dedicated as a remembrance of our friendly union to my companions in the guild of literature and art the object of this guild organized in eighteen fifty one was to create a provident fund whereby impecunious authors and artists might be benefited buller lytton was associated with dickens in the inauguration of the guild and the duke of devonshire offered his mansion in piccadilly for theatrical representations in aid of the design but after some years the scheme proved a complete failure for righteousness sake by john greenleaf whittier eighteen fifty five inscribed to friends under arrest for treason against the slave power prue and i by george william curtis eighteen fifty six to mrs henry w longfellow in memory of the happy hours at our castles in spain missionary travels and researches in south africa by david livingstone eighteen fifty eight to sir roderick impey murchison president of the royal geographical society this work is affectionately offered as a token of gratitude for the kind interest he has always taken in the author's pursuits and welfare and to express admiration of his eminent scientific attainments nowhere more strongly evidenced than by the striking hypothesis respecting the physical conformation of the african continent promulgated in his presidential address to the royal geographical society in eighteen fifty two and verified three years afterward by the author of these travels amy wentworth by john greenleaf whittier eighteen sixty two to william bradford 
as they who watch by sick beds find relief unwittingly from the great stress of grief and anxious care in fantasies outwrought from the hearth's ember flickering low or caught from whispering wind or tread of passing feet or vagrant memory calling up some sweet snatch of old song or romance whence or why they scarcely know or ask so thou and i nursed in the faith that truth alone is strong in the endurance which outwearies wrong with meek persistence baffling brutal force and trusting god against the universe we doomed to watch a strife we may not share with other weapons than the patriot's prayer yet owning with full hearts and moistened eyes the awful beauty of self-sacrifice and wrung by keenest sympathy for all who give their loved ones for the living wall twixt law and treason in this evil day may haply find through automatic play of pen and pencil solace to our pain and hearten others with the strength we gain i know it has been said our times require no play of art nor dalliance with the lyre no weak essay with fancy's chloroform to calm the hot mad pulses of the storm but the stern war blast rather such as sets the battle's teeth of serried bayonets and pictures grim as vernets yet with these some softer tints may blend and milder keys relieve the storm-stunned ear let us keep sweet if so we may our hearts even while we eat the bitter harvest of our own device and half a century's moral cowardice as nuremberg sang while wittenberg defied and cranach painted by his luther's side and through the war march of the puritan the silver stream of marvels music ran so let the household melodies be sung the pleasant pictures on the wall be hung so let us hold against the hosts of night and slavery all our vantage ground of light let treason boast its savagery and shake from its flag folds its symbol rattlesnake nurse its fine arts lay human skins in tan and carve its pipe bowls from the bones of man and make the tale of fijian banquets dull by drinking whisky from a loyal skull but let us guard till this sad war shall cease god grant it soon the graceful arts of peace no foes are conquered whom the victors teach their vandal manners and barbaric speech and while with hearts of thankfulness we bear of the great common burden our full share let none upbraid us that the waves entice thy sea-dipped pencil or some quaint device rhythmic and sweet beguiles my pen away from the sharp strifes and sorrows of to-day thus while the east wind keen from labrador sings in the leafless elms and from the shore of the great sea comes the monotonous roar of the long breaking surf and all the sky is grey with cloud home-bound and dull i try to time a simple legend to the sounds of winds in the woods and waves on pebbled bounds a song for oars to chime with such as might be sung by tired sea painters who at night look from their hemlock camps by quiet cove or beach moonlighted on the waves they love so hast thou looked when level sunset lay on the calm bosom of some eastern bay 
and all the spray-moist rocks and waves that rolled up the white sand slopes flashed with ruddy gold. Something it has, a flavour of the sea, and the sea's freedom, which reminds of thee, its faded picture dimly smiling down from the blurred fresco of the ancient town. I have not touched with warmer tints in vain, if, in this dark, sad year, it steals one thought from pain. Sordello by Robert Browning, 1863 To J. Milsand of Dijon Dear friend, let's the next poem be introduced by your name, therefore remembered along with one of the deepest of my affections, and so repay all trouble it ever cost me. I wrote it twenty-five years ago for only a few, counting even in these on somewhat more care about its subject than they really had. My own faults of expression were many, but with care for a man or book such would be surmounted, and without it what avails the faultlessness of either? I blame nobody, least of all myself, who did my best then and since, for I lately gave time and pains to turn my work into what the many might, instead of what the few must, like. But after all, I imagined another thing at first, and therefore leave as I find it. The historical decoration was purposely of no more importance than a background requires, and my stress lay on the incidents in the development of a soul. Little else is worth study. I at least always thought so. You, with many known and unknown to me, think so. Others may one day think so, and whether my attempt remained for them or not correction and whether my attempt remained for them or not, I trust, though away and past it, to continue ever yours, R.B. London, June the ninth, 1863 It was for the reprint of Sordello in 1863 that Browning wrote the above dedication. A pleasant article on Browning by Monsieur Joseph Milsand in the Revue des Deux Mondes, 1851, led to the formation of a lasting friendship. This article, wrote Mrs. Browning to Miss Mitford, November the 12th, 1851, was so highly appreciatory as well nigh to satisfy me. Life of William Hickling Prescott by George Tickner, 1864 To William Howard Gardner and William Amory we are more than once mentioned together in the last testamentary dispositions of our friend as persons for whom he felt a true regard and to whose affection and fidelity he, in some respects, entrusted the welfare of those who were dearest to him in life. Permit me, then, to associate your names with mine in this tribute to his memory. George Tickner Life of Mendelssohn by W. A. Lampadius Translated by W. A. Gage, 1865 To John S. Dwight, whose enthusiastic admiration first made the letters of Mendelssohn accessible to American readers and whose tastes are so fully in harmony with the purity of Mendelssohn's genius and life, this translation is dedicated as a slight expression of thanks 
for judicious counsel and timely encouragement. Heroid the Wake by Charles Kingsley, 1866 To Thomas Wright, Esquire, FSA, etc. My dear Wright, thus does Heroid, the hero of your youth, reappear at last in a guise fitted for a modern drawing-room. To you is due whatever new renown he may win for himself in that new field. You first disinterred him long ago, when scarcely a hand or foot of him was left standing out from beneath the dust of ages. You taught me, since then, how to furbish his rusty harness, botch his burst and saddle, and send him forth once more upon the ghost of his gallant mare. Truly, he should feel obliged to you, and though we cannot believe that the last infirmity of noble minds endures beyond the grave, or that any touch of his old vanity still stains the spirit of the mighty wake, yet we will please ourselves, why should we not, with the fancy that he is as grateful to you as I am this day. Yours faithfully, C. Kingsley. The Guardian Angel by Oliver Wendell Holmes, 1867 To James T. Fields, a token of kind regard from one of many writers who have found him a wise, faithful and generous friend. The Man with the Broken Ear Translated from the French of Edmund About by Henry Holt, 1867 Dear Leopold, you have not forgotten that nearly two years ago, before our business connection was thought of, this identical translation was respectfully declined by you with that same courtesy, the exercise of which in frequent similar cases each one of us now tries so hard to shove on the other's shoulders. I hope that your surprise on reading this note of dedication will not interfere with your forgiving the pertinacity with which, through it, I still strive to make the book yours. H. H. 451 Broom Street, May 16, 1867 Under the Willows by James Russell Lowell 1868 To Charles Eliot Norton The wind is roistering out of doors, My windows shake and my chimney roars, My elmwood chimneys seem crooning to me, As of old in their moody minor key, And out of the past the hoarse wind blows, As I sit in my armchair and toast my toes. I sit and I dream that I hear, as of yore, my elmwood chimney's deep-throated roar. If much be gone, there is much remains. By the embers of loss, I count my gains. You and yours with the best, till the old hope glows in the fanciful flame as I toast my toes, etc. Chips from a German Workshop by Max Muller, 1869 to the memory of Baron Bunsen, my friend and benefactor. And the further thou art from me, the more I long and yearn for thee. Terence, Hutonti Moru Menos. Roughing It by Mark Twain, 1871.
Dr. Calvin H. Higby of California, an honest man, a genial comrade, and a steadfast friend. This book is inscribed by the author in memory of the curious time when we two were millionaires for ten days. The story of the brief period when a supposed lucky strike made the millionaires in prospect is told in Volume 1, Chapter XL, of Roughing It, with their plans for extensive European travel and Mark Twain's uneasy recollection of an unpaid $6 butcher's bill. A Memorial of Alice and Phoebe Carey by Mary Clemmer Ames 1873 To Alice Carey Clymer, little Alice, who, to their last earthly hour, gave to her aunts a daughter's tenderest love and devotion, this memorial of their lives is affectionately dedicated by her friend and theirs, Mary Clemmer Ames. Callista by Cardinal Newman, 1873 To Henry William Wilberforce To you alone, who have known me so long, and who love me so well, could I venture to offer a trifle like this. But you will recognise the author in his work, and take pleasure in the recognition. German Universities A Narrative of Personal Experience by James Morgan Hart, 1874 To George Haven Putnam, whose steadfast wish has been father to the author's thought, this book is inscribed, in friendly remembrance of the Georgia Augusta, 1861-2. to Baedek, by Charles Dudley Warner, 1874 to my comrade, Joseph H. Twitchell, summer and winter friend, whose companionship would make any journey a delightful memory, these notes of a sunny fortnight in the provinces are inscribed. Poems by Elizabeth H. Whittier, 1874 Originally published in the volume entitled Hazel Blossoms, and accompanied by the following prefatory note and dedication. I have ventured, in compliance with the desire of dear friends of my beloved sister, Elizabeth H. Whittier, to add to this little volume the few poetical pieces which she left behind her. As she was very distrustful of her own powers, and altogether without ambition for literary distinction, she shunned everything like publicity, and found far greater happiness in generous appreciation of the gift of her friends than in the cultivation of her own. Yet it has always seemed to me that had her health, sense of duty and fitness, and her extreme self-distrust permitted, she might have taken a high place among lyrical singers. These poems, with perhaps two or three exceptions, afford but slight indications of the inward life of the writer, who had an almost morbid dread of spiritual and intellectual egotism, or of her tenderness of sympathy, chastened mirthfulness, and pleasant play of thought and fancy 
when her shy, beautiful soul opened like a flower in the warmth of social communion. In the lines on Dr. Kane, her friends will see something of her fine individuality, the rare mingling of delicacy and intensity of feeling which made her dear to them. This little poem reached Cuba while the great explorer lay on his deathbed, and we are told that he listened with grateful tears while it was read to him by his mother. I am tempted to say more, but I write as under the eye of her who, while with us, shrank with painful deprecation from the praise or mention of performances which seemed so far below her ideal of excellence. To those who best knew her, the beloved circle of her intimate friends, I dedicate this slight memorial. J. G. W. Amesbury, ninth month, 1874. Home Pastorals by Bayard Taylor, 1875. Add, amicos, from that wide air whose greedy silence swallows so many voices, even as mine seemed lost, I hear you speak, and sudden glory follows, as from a falling tongue of Pentecost. So heard and hailed by you that, standing nearest, blend love with faith in one far-shining flame, I hold anew the earliest gift and dearest, the happy song that cares not for its fame. Practical Cooking by Mrs. Mary F. Henderson, 1876 to my friend Mrs. Ellen Ewing Sherman, a lady who studies the comforts of her household, these receipts are affectionately dedicated. Fossil Men and Their Modern Representatives by John W. Dawson, 1880 To his friend Peter Redpath, Esquire of Montreal, this work is dedicated by the author, in commemoration of practical kindness and of aid liberally rendered to science education in Canada. The Sisters by Georges Ebers Translated from the German by Clara Bell, 1880 To Herr Edvard von Halberger Allow me, my dear friend, to dedicate these pages to you. I present them to you at the close of a period of twenty years during which a warm and fast friendship has subsisted between us, unbroken by any disagreement. Four of my works have first seen the light under your care and have wandered all over the world under the protection of your name. This, my fifth book, I desire to make especially your own. It was partly written in your beautiful home at Tutsing, under your hospitable roof, and I desire to prove to you by some visible token that I know how to value your affection and friendship and the many happy hours we have passed together, refreshing and encouraging each other by a full and perfect interchange of thought and sentiment. Faithfully your friend, Georges Ebers. A Book of Strife in the Form of the Diary of an Old Soul by George MacDonald, 1880. Sweet friend, receive my offering. You will find against each worded page a white page set. This is the mirror of each friendly mind, reflecting that in this book we are met. 
make it dear hearts of worth to you indeed let your white page be ground my print be seed growing to golden ears that faith and hope shall feed your old soul john inglesant by j henry shorthouse eighteen eighty to rawdon levitt esq my dear levitt i dedicate the volume to you that i may have an opportunity of calling myself your friend j henry shorthouse lansdowne edgbaston june the seventeenth eighteen eighty pastoral days by w hamilton gibson eighteen eighty one to one whose close companionship has wrought that harmony and peace of mind from which this book has sprung and to whom its every page recalls a reminiscence of the past identified with memories of my own this memoir is lovingly inscribed our souvenir colonel gordon in south africa from original letters and documents edited by george birkbeck hill eighteen eighty one to miss gordon this record of her brother's beneficent rule over the wild tribes of central africa is dedicated with every feeling of respect by her faithful servant the editor the jeffersons by william winter eighteen eighty one this memorial of the jeffersons is dedicated by its author to their famous kinsman william warren actor scholar and comrade whose quaint and tender genius in dramatic art has given happiness to thousands and whose exalted virtues and gentle life have made him an example and an honour to the stage and the community helen of troy by andrew lang eighteen eighty two to all old friends to all who dwell where avon dew and avon gell down to the western waters flow through valleys dear from long ago to all who hear the whispered spell of ken and tweed like music swell hard by the land debatable or gleaming shannon seaward go to all old friends to all that yet remember well what secrets isis had to tell how lazy charwell loitered slow sweet isles of blossomed may below whate'er befall whate'er befell to all old friends tristram of Lyonnais by algernon charles swinburne eighteen eighty two to my best friend theodore watts i dedicate in this book the best i have to give him spring speaks again and all our woods are stirred and all our wide glad wastes a flower around that twice have heard keen april's clarion sound since here we first together saw and heard spring's light reverberate and reiterate word shine forth and speak in season life stands crowned here with the best one thing it ever found as of my soul's best birthdays dawns the third there is a friend that as the wise man saith cleaves closer than a brother nor to me hath time not shown through days like waves at strife this truth more sure than all things else but death this pearl most perfect found in all the sea that washes towards your feet these waifs of life 
The Pines, April 1882. Terra Vergine by Gabriele D'Annunzio, 1883. To Giovanni Chiarini, native of the Abruzzi, who lies far from here beneath a bamboo hut in the heart of Africa. A Voyage in the Sunbeam by Lady Brassey, 1884. Dedication to the friends in many climes and countries, of the white and coloured races, and of every grade in society, who have made our year of travel a year of happiness. These pages are dedicated by the ever-grateful author. End of section 20